Good morning. We are glad you are here this morning. We have most of our members here, of course, as usual, but we have a lot of visitors in our audience as well. We are grateful for your attendance this morning, even on a yucky day like today where we'd rather just stay in bed sometimes. We are grateful that you have chosen to be here. If you are visiting with us, hope that you will take a card. Those are found on the wall in the lobby if someone's already handed you one and fill it out so that we can have a record of your attendance. We appreciate so much you being with us this morning. It's good as well to have uh, always have those back with us who have been sick. We joke sometimes on uh, in our sick list that if there's anyone who would like to be taken off the list, uh, instead of sometimes we seem like we add a whole lot, but we're certainly thankful for those who are able to be back with us. It's always good to see Sister Betty here with us this evening, and this is the area up here at the front because it's also good to have the Barkers with us this morning, and uh, I want remember... As we began working here, Mark was one that was on our list for a long time, and we want to continue to pray for him. We asked him Friday night. He said he's doing okay, but not as great as he would like, and so we're glad the Barkers are with us and want to continue to pray for Mark and many others as well. As was mentioned several times this morning, there is uh, there is a lot to in this congregation that's going on, those who are back with us and those who are sick as well, and we want to look for every opportunity that we can to encourage those uh, during their time of struggle. This morning, if you have your Bible, you can be turning to Acts chapter 20. And we'll begin there in just a moment, Acts chapter 20. Maybe you remember some things that your grandmother or maybe even your mother used to say that they said was in the Bible, but you weren't sure if it was in there or not. You just didn't quite believe it. I know one I think we think of a lot of times is cleanliness is next to godliness. I'm not sure we won't take the time this morning to go page by page and figure out if that's in there. Another one sometimes that you may have been told was it's, it's blessed or more blessed to give than to receive. Now that one's a little more interesting because it is in the Bible, but we would consider it to be out of place. If you've got your Bible open there in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, you may see some words in red. But you say, wait a minute, we're in Acts chapter 20 and Jesus is not on the earth anymore. But these are his words. Yes, Jesus did say it is more blessed to give than to receive, but we don't have it recorded from his words exactly. We have it recorded by the Apostle Paul there, or actually by Luke's hand of what Paul is saying there as he was meeting with those Ephesian elders and giving them encouragement. And he comes to that point and he says, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he spoke or that he said, saying it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, if you've got your bulletin this morning and you're following along with the notes, you notice that we're going to talk about giving and receiving. There is actually a foundation called the Giving USA Foundation that tracks giving throughout the world and really throughout the year. And last year, Americans donated an estimated 410 that's b- b- billion dollars in 2017. Now that's to charity. That would be to any number of things. I believe that number includes as well, not only domestically, but even internationally, that Americans gave $410 billion. I don't know if I've got even all my zeros or commas lined up to think about how much money that is that Americans gave last year. It was the first time that at least that they've been recording numbers that they can recall that it was over $400 million or billion dollars that was given. And you know, as this, this foundation tracks these types of things, there's no doubt that Americans are the most giving people. And really, if we think about it, there's no doubt that Christians are among the most giving people of the Americans. 
When we look at that type of number and think about giving, that's not, that doesn't sound that strange to us. When we go to the Bible, we think about Christians giving. We go to the beginning of the establishment of the church there in Acts chapter 2, and we begin to see this. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 45, And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. But that's not the only spot, of course. Acts 4 and verse 35 as well. And laid them the things that were sold, the proceeds of those things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. You see, this is, this is not new. This is not earth-shattering to us that Christians would be giving. And that's not all. In fact, Paul praised the sacrificial nature of those Christians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he's talking about those in Macedonia. And he talks about their giving. And he uses a word that we've talked about recently. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. When we think about the giving that takes place, even in the New Testament here as we see it, Paul is praising those who would be giving, who would be liberal. And again, we talked about those words even more recently with the idea of liberal and conservative. And we talked about in our giving, we know that in our giving we should be liberal. We should be liberal because that is something that we should give freely. But this morning, this morning, I want us to think for a few moments, not just about the giving, but the receiving. Not just the giving, but the receiving aspect of this. This is not a lesson on giving, but as you'll see, we're going to make four simple points this morning. The lesson will be yours, but on what happens when we don't receive very well. Because giving is important, but we've already established the fact that Americans give and Christians give. But what about when we receive? First of all, this morning, there are many types of needs. I don't know if you can see that very well. It's black on the back wall. Now, don't everybody turn around at one time. Uh, but there are many types of needs. It is black there back there where the yellow shows up. There are many types of needs, first of all, this morning. We don't have to go around the room and ask everyone to tell us all their needs. There are certainly many types of needs. First of all, there's physical needs. We've already mentioned that this morning. We've talked about those who have broken bones, those who have difficulties, those maybe who, who need help physically, aren't able to get around. We have physical needs from time to time. But as well, there's emotional needs. We think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3 where Paul talks about this idea of emotional needs. He says, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. And listen, listen to verse number 3, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Sounds like Paul is looking out for those in their emotional needs. 
We certainly have many emotional needs. We, we run the gamut sometimes, the full gamut and spectrum of emotions. We're happy, we're sad, we're up, we're down. Those types of things happen from time to time. And we sometimes have emotional needs that need to be met. But even more so, there are oftentimes spiritual needs. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, Acts chapter 16 and verse 9, again Luke writing says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. We sing a song that talks about that, about Paul receiving the Macedonian call. And here those folks in Macedonia had spiritual needs. You see, when we, we break down what we really need, there are many types of needs. Whether it be physical or emotional or spiritual, we all have needs. We need things. We don't always want to admit it. We don't always like to admit it, but we have needs. So that leads us to our second point this morning. Naturally, if there are many types of needs, number two, it is the duty of the Christian to meet those needs when possible. It is the duty of the Christian to meet those needs when possible. Now, just like we all have lots of needs, we all have different duties and responsibilities that we fulfill. Certainly, spouse is there among the top. Certainly, mother or father. Uh, certainly, brother or sister. All, all of these different things and different duties and responsibilities that we hold are important. And we need to give attention to all of those things. I don't think God expects us to be a good husband only or a good wife only. Or a good parent only. We have to find a way to take all of those things and put them into our life. But as Christians, it is our responsibility or our duty to meet these needs when possible. Now, oftentimes, God provides for our needs through the means of members of the church. If you're writing down and you can see those on the screen, the first one is Philippians 4 9. We're not going to look at all of these for the sake of time this morning. But the first one is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Paul, writing to those in Philippi, says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is imploring those in Philippi to, to do all these things that they have seen and heard in him to meet the needs of others. While you're there, the second one is Titus chapter 3 and verse 14. Titus chapter 3 and verse 14. And as we take a look at that passage, we see Paul again writing to encourage someone, Titus, and to those that would read this letter, and let our work, excuse me, and let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. We should be looking out for the needs of others. Now, I am absolutely preaching to the choir this morning, as they say. We've already established the fact that this congregation does that in a very, a very great fashion. I see it not only as a congregation, but I can go row by row here and point out individuals that we all see and know that take the time and opportunity to help meet the needs of others. The last passage that's on the screen there is 1 John 3.17. 1 John 3.17. As we think about John writing here, he gives a very powerful statement in regards to what we're saying here. The fact that it is our duty as Christians to meet the needs of others. 1 John 3.17. But whoever, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, 
and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? See, John begins to take those, those feet and those shoes and step on our toes in a very serious fashion when he says, whoever has this world's goods. Again, I look around this room and I dare say most of us has this world's goods. We, we may not have everything. We may not have more than everyone else, but we've got some of these world's goods. And sees his brother in need. We don't have to look very far sometimes to see those who are in need. And now we start stepping on toes and shuts up his heart from him. Have we ever done that? Have we ever said, well, you know, I, I see a need, but I don't know that I can help. But John continues on by saying the love of God. What he's saying with this rhetorical question, of course, is the love of God does not abide in him. A person who would have and not be willing to give. It is our duty to meet the needs of those who need help. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Those of the church. Those of this congregation. But yes, even those of the world. Even those that we come in contact with. Absolutely, we should be meeting the needs of others. But again, let's continue this thought process on a little bit further. We all have needs. As Christians, we should meet the needs of others. But number three this morning, where the rubber meets the road, Christians are often robbed of the joy and blessing of giving. Christians are often robbed of the joy and blessing of giving by the very ones they seek to help. And as some of you are jotting that down, we'll let it sink in for just a moment. Christians are often robbed of the joy and blessing of giving by the very ones they seek to help. To me, I think this is one of the problems in the Lord's church. And it's not maybe the most serious. And it's not everybody's problem. But I think this is a problem that we sometimes struggle with. And the greatest example, maybe the best example that I can give, the one that comes to my mind the most, is when we do not share with others the struggles that we're going through. When we do not take time to share with those brothers and sisters, with the body, with our family, the struggles that we're going through. Now, I understand it, it, that's, that's tough to make that blanket statement about every situation. Sometimes maybe you've got a doctor's appointment and you fear the worst, but you don't know and you, you're, you're a little unsure of what you want to say. Sometimes it's very deep and personal matter. and You kind of feel like, I don't know that I want everyone to know exactly what I'm going through. But oftentimes, we just, we, we're kind of embarrassed, and we're kind of shy, and we just simply don't want to share with others. And I, I understand that, okay? I, I get that. But when you are struggling with something, maybe it is a, a diagnosis, maybe it is a physical ailment, and you do not share with your brothers and sisters, with me, what's going on in your life, then you are robbing me of the responsibility that I have to pray for you. And that's hard. That's hard to say that because I understand we're very private sometimes. But when we do not share our struggles with others, then the others are not able to help us and they're not fulfilling this responsibility that we just talked about. Now again, situation and, and times maybe, maybe call for different things. But I want you to seriously consider that this morning because it happens. And there's different reasons why. Sometimes it's because of our pride. Mark chapter 7 verses 21 through uh, 23, Jesus says, And what come out of a man defiles a man. For from within the heart of men, or excuse me, from 
for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed. And he goes through this list. And he goes through all these things that are there. But down towards the bottom, in verse number 22, he says, pride. Sometimes our pride gets in the way. And we don't want others to know that we're struggling with something. I understand. It sounds to me like Jesus is saying sometimes we have to set our pride aside. Sometimes it's arrogance. You remember the seven churches of Asia in Revelation chapters 2 and 3? And we know certain things about them. But in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, as he's talking to those in Laodicea, and, and I go here all the time because I like to talk about the lukewarmness that we sometimes exhibit. But look in verse number 17. Jesus says, Because you say, I am rich, and have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You see, we sometimes get a little arrogant. And we think that we don't need other people. We don't need Christ or God. Yeah, sometimes arrogance gets in the way of our lives. And then sometimes it's selfishness simply. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Paul says, excuse me, I was in Ephesians. Philippians 2 and verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambitions or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let nothing be done through selfishness, selfish ambition or conceit. You see, sometimes we get prideful, we get arrogant, we get selfish, and we rob others of the joy and the blessing of giving. You see, we talked about it last week. When we talked about our day of encouragement, our downtown encouragement, we said it's twofold. We try to encourage those that we come in contact with, but we receive the blessing. Those who are able to take part in that are able to be encouraged. That's what happens when we give and we receive. And that's sometimes difficult for us because these things get in the way. We get in the way of ourselves. Let me say one more time. I understand I can't speak to every single situation. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's better for us to, to keep it in. Maybe, maybe for a day or two we just want to wait until we share with others. Sometimes it is something very, very sensitive. And we're afraid to, to let others know. But, but what better place? I mean, what a better blessing than to know that Christians are praying for you. And when we don't do that, when we don't share, then we sometimes rob people of that joy and blessing. That happened even just this last week with, with Sister, Sister Frances. I, I hate to give her a hard time. She's not even here to defend herself. But, but, you know, Faith comes in and says, well, Frances had back surgery last Friday, but she didn't want to tell anybody until Tuesday. And we got her name now. We're able to pray for her and encourage her. And then again, I know people are sometimes private. But when we don't have an opportunity to pray for you or to help, then we're being robbed of that joy. And so finally, and in contrast to number three, when Christians learn to receive as well as they give, the church will be a more joyous and harmonious body. When Christians learn to receive as well as they give, the church will be a more joyous and harmonious body. That's the way it's supposed to work. We feel weak. We feel exposed. We feel like we're not sure what people are going to say. But when we give, and we give others the opportunity to give to us, and we receive, we see a church that is flourishing, that is growing, that is able to share things and encourage one another. I sometimes say that, that we're afraid to come down to this front pew because we think everyone's going to laugh at us. They're going to point, they're going to say, well, I wonder what they did. I wonder what's gone wrong. You know, that person in particular. 
That's not the point. We don't ask people to come forward simply so that we can poke fun or point fingers or laugh. We ask people to come forward as a matter of convenience to where the preacher is usually standing so that we can see and understand what needs you have and pray for you, as we said, and with you. When we learn to receive and give, we will find a church that is full of joy and full of harmony. When we both give and receive in accordance with the will of God, several positive things occur. That's referenced there on the screen is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 12. Paul says, For the administration of this service not only, notice, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Paul, Paul lays it out here. He, he preaches the whole sermon. We could have saved you about 20 minutes or so. The whole sermon in one little verse right here. When we give and receive as we should, not only are the needs met, supplying the needs of the saints, but there is thanksgivings to God. People look at this church and this congregation and other congregations and say, I want to be a part of that. I want to share in that because they are all doing what they should do. They're all behaving as they should and there is joy and there is harmony. You know, I've oftentimes said, and it's, it's kind of hard to make this statement again just in a blanket way, but you're hard-pressed to find someone on the street begging who is a Christian. And, and the reason why is because of this. And let me, hear me out again. I don't want to be misunderstood. It's, it's hard. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Christian on the street begging. Why? Because if they're a Christian and they're acting as they should, as a part of a church family, then that family should be helping take care of them. Now again, that's not foolproof. All right, don't don't misunderstand me. There are times where somebody's family, their physical family, disowns them, and they're, they're in need. But how many people come to the congregation here, to the church, call us and ask for help, and we turn them away? Not very often, because even those who aren't members of the church, we're oftentimes willing to try to help them, to help them see the love of God. The church is better when we get good at receiving and at giving because all of these things occur as well when Christians become good at receiving or as good at receiving as we are at giving the church will begin to realize there are even greater blessings from God that's the way that this should work that's the way that this should go we have needs we give to others but at the same time we don't hold back and we allow others to meet our needs so that the church is better so that the church is a light to those in the community. And others say, you know, I know if I need something, I can go to those folks at society. I can go to those folks wherever. And I'll know that they'll help meet my needs as best they can because I'm willing to meet their needs and because we're all willing together to serve God. Again, I know. I understand. I do. It's sometimes hard. It's sometimes hard to humble ourselves, to admit that we need help. It's sometimes hard to get over that pride to set that aside and, and go to folks and say, you know, I, I need a little help. Something happened and I'm really struggling and I just need a little bit of money this month. I just need a little bit of help with my bills. Or, or you know, I had this, this doctor's appointment that I'm not sure about and I, I really need the prayers of this congregation. It's, it's hard sometimes to do that. But, but if everyone who is a Christian would think about it, they've experienced that at least once. They've experienced that feeling of having to humble themselves and admit they need help at least once. And that's when it comes to the cross. 
If you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you have humbled yourself and you have said, I can't do it on my own and I need help. And we should think about that. We should think about that and realize that that expands as well to our relationship with others. We have to learn, even this morning, that we are not a failure if we rely on others at times. We are not a failure. It doesn't mean we can't provide for our family. It doesn't mean that we're bad people. It simply means we can't do it all on our own. And as we just looked at the picture of the cross, we know we can't do it all on our own. We need needed and need the blood of Jesus. We need God's mercy and grace. And even when we think about the cross, and even as we try to share that with the world, we think about our own lives, we're not a failure when we admit that we need others sometimes. Again, that provides blessing and joy to those that would be willing to help. Some of us are very good at writing cards. Some of us aren't. Some of us are good at making visits. Some of us aren't. Some of us are good at making food. And some of us aren't. There are all different types of ways that we can meet needs. And we need to rely on each other. And that includes not only the giving, which I would commend you on your giving, but even on the receiving that we're willing to share and let others help us in our time of need. Again, that begins this morning with recognizing our need for salvation, with recognizing God's simple plan of salvation. We can read about it in all the passages that are listed on the screen. If you're here this morning and you want to know more and understand more about God's simple plan of salvation, what it means to be saved, to have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, we would go over every passage. We would gladly study in detail with you, even this day, because it's that important that you leave. Not worried about where you would be if the Lord were to return or if you were to die, even this day, even as our brother Joe prayed for us just a moment ago, that we are not promised tomorrow. Maybe you're here and you've been baptized for the remission of your sins. You've been added to the church, but you've wandered away. And you struggle with sin. And those sins separate you from God. We're thankful that he extends his second law of pardon, that we can repent of our sin and, and pray to him for forgiveness. And he is willing to do just that, that we can again walk in the light as he is in the light. Maybe you're here this morning, you're struggling with something else. You see, another problem that we sometimes have is we shoehorn the lesson into why a person responds. Maybe you're here and you are struggling with giving or receiving. Maybe you're here and it's just something else. Maybe you need the prayers of this congregation. It doesn't have to do exactly with the lesson this morning. We're about to sing these words to encourage each other. That if you're here and you need to make a change, that you would consider doing that. Even now as we stand together and as we sing.